Open up your Bible to 1 John, the first chapter, way back in the back of your Bible. I'm going to read through a couple of verses quick and um, then kind of get into the meat of what I believe God would have me to share this last time we're together of the year. 1 John, the first chapter and the fifth verse. It says this, This is the message which we have heard from him or from Jesus, and we declare it to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Let me read that again. This is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you. So this is John. John had literally uh, walked with Jesus for three and a half years, and one of the things he heard while he was just sitting around with Jesus, while Jesus was preaching, while they were talking, having meals together, being in a boat, wherever it was, he said, this is the message we heard from Jesus. So this was a first-hand message that he was conveying from Jesus when he was on the earth. He said, this is what we heard from him. This is the message. And we're going to tell you it. Wouldn't that be cool to know what Jesus said while he was here? And he said that God is light. Now James uses that type of terminology in different ones. And he said, in him is no darkness at all. Now, when he said, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all, that doesn't mean like God's like a light bulb, like this kind of light, and there is no darkness at all. We're talking about spiritual light, that God is light. In other words, there is no darkness. You could say this, there's no evil. When we talk about darkness, you know, how many scary movies are done in the day? You know, in the forest, it's at night, you know, in the scary movies. We, we realize darkness implies evil often. So you could say it like this, in God is light and there's no evil in God. So is sin good? Or evil. It's evil, so there's no sin in God. Is sickness good or evil? It's evil. Because nobody really believes any kind of sickness is good because then we would be like walking through the store and we go by where the aspirin are and we'd be like, whoa, whoa, that's evil. It's trying to get rid of a headache. And a headache is good. No, headache's evil. How many people have a cheerful demeanor like, man, you're not going to believe what happened to me this morning. I woke up, I had this horrible headache. Praise the Lord. You should get one too. (laughs) No, I mean, it doesn't help us. It doesn't lift us up. We know inherently they're evil. And we know different things are. So if God is light and in him is no darkness, you could say there's no evil. Things that harm, that destroy, different things like that are not in God. So if the Bible said in him is light and there's no darkness, turn to Ephesians, the fifth chapter. 
Ephesians, the fifth chapter, there's no darkness in God. There is no evil in God. So here in Ephesians 5, writing to Christians, he said this in the eighth verse. He said, for you were once darkness. Now once again, the Bible describes more than one type of darkness. If you remember the account in Genesis that talks about creation, it said darkness was on the deep. That was not just physical darkness because the Bible said God spoke and said, let there be light and light came. But there was no sun, there was no moon, there was no stars yet. That happened days later. So what kind of light came? And then you have to ask yourself what kind of darkness was there. Because all through creation, he kept saying when something was made, it was good, it was good, it was good. Even when he divided the night from the darkness a few days in, or you know, later on, a few verses later, he said, that was good, but that darkness there he did not call good. But when he spoke and light came, he said, that's good. And it's interesting, the Bible said, the entrance of his words bring light. So, his words are spiritual light to dispel darkness. His words are powerful, but remember, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And here it says, for you were once darkness. How did we become darkness? How did humanity become darkness? The Bible said when, when Adam and Eve sinned and transgressed, darkness entered. Light went out. The life went out of them. The Bible said that God is life. And the Bible said that life is the light that lights men. When man sinned, death reigned through humanity, you could say spiritual darkness entered into the core of man. And he said here, for you were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. What does this mean? Is this an external light? Or is this an internal light? And is it like somebody just pulled a string and then there was a natural light? Or is this some kind of spiritual force that God is, is now in you, if you gave your life to the Lord? It's interesting, he said, you are light. Let the truth sink in. Because why? Because if you are light, then you are light, whether the truth of it is there or not. Once you give your life to the Lord, he said, you are light in the Lord. It's interesting, he said, walk as children of the light. So in other words, he's saying you can manifest or bring that spiritual life and light that you get when you're saved into motion. Here's a thought. Is that light supposed to affect your whole being? 
your emotions, your mind, your body, your surroundings. Absolutely, it is. And it is a powerful, powerful, powerful force. Look at this in Colossians. Like I said, we'll look at a couple of things and then we're going to slow down here. Colossians, the first chapter. This is a common topic in the Bible concerning light and darkness. And our position in light and light being in us. You know, if you were in the middle of the desert, which we all are, Arizona, this part of Arizona, you know, but I mean like a barren desert, and if you had a well, uh, and there was water down there, and you were like dehydrating, you would have the source right there to fix your dehydration and your impending death, but how do you get it out? What if you have divine light in you that you could say is inseparable from the life of God, which it is, the power of God, the ability of God to really live overcoming and affect your whole being? You could say it like this. You have the atmosphere of heaven in your spirit. Not in your mind, will, and emotions. Not in your body, so to speak, but in your body because your spirit's contained in your body. These are hugely important statements. Notice this in Colossians 1, and we'll begin reading in uh, verse 13. It says, He has delivered us from the power or the rule of darkness. In other words, that spiritual force that dominates the world that used to be in us, He has delivered us from that. And it said He's conveyed us and moved us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Or you could say it like this, we're in the kingdom of Jesus. Now go back and read verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to partake of the inheritance of the saints in the light. We're in the light. We're not in the darkness. Not only are we in the light and in the kingdom of light and out of the kingdom of darkness, we now possess light from the Lord. We now are possessors of that. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5, and then, then we're going to slow down and start chewing. You know what I mean by that? We all just went through Christmas, right? Isn't that sometimes when you're growing up? Who knows? Maybe not. Slow down. Enjoy your food. Well, we're going to enjoy this more and more. We're going to slow down in a minute. But the truth is, we need to know that the spiritual part of us now contains the light, life, ability of God. Just like having a well, it's there. How do I get it out? How do I experience this? 1 Thessalonians 5 says this in verse 5. It says, you are all sons of light. 
and sons of the day. He said, we are not of the night nor of the darkness. We are different. We're not just called to walk like children of the light and children of the day and not walk in darkness. We are light already. So think about it. If you are light already, you live in a dark world. But you're not dark. You're not dark. You don't have to be afraid of the dark. Darkness could be all around you and your job, and you don't have to fear. I mean, I've never, when I, I hike often at night, I've never heard my light that I carry go, oh, are you going to do this again? It's pretty dark out here. Oh, are we really going to do this? I was telling Pastor Linda before service Thursday night, I was out, went hiking, it was dark, uh, drove into the parking lot, and the, or the trailhead is, and a couple trails split off, and the sheriffs are there with one lone car talking to this girl, and so um, my one car is kind of loud, and I think they thought I was kind of racing in the parking lot. I wasn't racing. It's like, you know, if a tree falls in the forest, does it really make a noise? Nobody was around, I thought. So anyway, I backed into the parking space and uh, turned on my app, got my light out. I start walking. I could hear them talking, and I thought, did somebody break into a car? Did something happen? And I thought, no, there's some kind of problem, and more sheriffs came. And so I head off up the mountain and in the pitch black, and I get going for a while, and all of a sudden, uh, I hear this guy yelling at me. Why? He saw the light. My light. And I actually got pictures. Man, his legs were beat. He couldn't see the trail. He had gotten lost. He had been out there for hours. I was helping him pull needles, cactus needles, out of his legs. And he said, where is the trail? I said, well, just go back this way. And I thought, I can't do that. I'll have to walk him out. So I walked him out because he didn't have light in the darkness. There may be some other things he didn't have. But um, you could think about them yourself. But anyway, I brought him out. I remember got him back to the police and then started heading back because the police were now, or sheriffs were now, walking up with his girlfriend with lights. And so then I ran back and got a picture because I thought, hey, I hiked him out. Might as well get pictures of his legs because they were just beat. He had fallen in the rocks. But the reason he kept stumbling and falling was because he had no light. And, and I wasn't panicking in the dark. As a matter of fact, it's kind of fun to hike in the dark when you have a light. And all the things you get to see. We shouldn't be bothered by the darkness. The light we have in us is from God. We've got plenty to share. We don't have to panic. We don't have to talk down about the days. You know, it's getting dark. Well, you know, then be careful because it'll overcome the light. Said no light ever. 
So we should never talk like, oh, we're going to be overcome. I wonder if we talk about being overcome, and it's just getting so dark and hard, if we're actually closing light away that's actually in us. But he said here in the fifth verse, you are all sons of light, sons of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. Though we live in this dark world, we're not darkness. Everybody should know their own identity, and part of it is this, we are light in the Lord. We shouldn't be bothered by the darkness. And we're going to talk about how to get that light to spring forth. Anybody care about that? Anybody want their emotions to be better? Everybody said, well, mine are good. Then you'll know what I'm saying is true. Anybody want their life to be better, more reflective of heaven? If you're not sure what life should look like to a degree on the earth, look at what it should look like in heaven. And we know Jesus prayed this way and Paul talked this way. He said, your will be done on earth like it is in heaven. The issue with heaven is there's no darkness at all. So we're manifesting the light of heaven in the earth. Notice this. Turn to Isaiah and we're going to look here about manifesting this light and what we do to get the light that's in us dominating our spiritual existence, our mental and emotional existence, our physical existence, and really life in general. Notice Isaiah 58. I think these verses are very interesting. Isaiah, and much of the book of Isaiah, and it's one of the most quoted books in the New Testament and by Jesus himself. There's so many uh, future things that he prophesied about. He talked about the earth being filled with the glory. He talked about the Lord coming and what he would pay for. But right here he said, verse 8, Isaiah 58, 8. He said, then your light shall break forth like the morning. What does the morning light do? It dispels the darkness of night. You don't turn off the night. You don't turn off the darkness. You don't get rid of the darkness. It gets driven off by light. And you are light in the Lord, and God wants your light that came from Him to spring forth and spring forth speedily. Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Notice this. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. In other words, not only physically, emotionally, everything else. He wants it to spring forth. But notice it's connected with light coming forth. He said, and your righteousness shall go before you. Now you understand this, if you read the book of Isaiah, he talked about a future time, the time we live in, that humans would get in right standing with God by a free gift. 
And then he said the work of that good standing or righteousness would minister peace to your mind and minister peace to your emotions. And he said your righteousness, that means you're not guilty before God because of Jesus. He said it'll go before you. And then he said the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Now, if we don't understand that, we wouldn't understand what he's implying here. When the children of Israel were leaving bondage and coming into God's best, their enemies were tracking them. And what he did was he put his glory behind them and between them, and they couldn't get to him as they were getting ready to go into the Red Sea And so you could say it like this, that glory was a rear guard that kept them from the enemies of the dark that were pursuing them. And he's saying, your light will spring forth. Your good standing with God will go before you. That's the direction you're going. Where you've come from, the glory will guard you from all that junk of the past. He said, this is what he wants for all of us to walk this out. Then he said, then you shall call or pray and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, you know, cry out to him and he will say, here am I. You're going to hear from God. Then he said, he gave some qualifiers. And really, there's one main thing in here to getting this light to spring forth. And he said it right here. If you will, if you take away the yoke from your midst, notice he said you, and then he's going to tell you what the yoke is or the thing that's creating the problem. He said, it's the pointing of the finger, talking, and the speaking of wickedness, more talking. He said, if you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted, and basically, he, he's talking about love, loving one another. He said, then your light shall dawn in the darkness. And your darkness or those dark days will turn into like a noonday. Now, understand this, we've got light and and really he gives two things, but both of them are controlled by what you say. The pointing of the finger, talking wrong about people, situations. Why is this such a huge thing? Why is it a big thing? What if I said, well, I don't have strength and I don't have power. I don't have light. I need it. Then basically, I'm talking, this may, now, be careful, 
I may be talking wicked as a Christian. Well, I thought like if I said the F word, that, well, that's not good. But what does the Bible call evil? When the children of Israel were brought up, you know, and that, that glory was their rear guard, God said, you can do this. And they said, no, we can't. We don't have the ability. We can't do it. And God said, no, you can do it. You know what the Bible called that? A wicked report of unbelief. It's very interesting because he's trying to tell you how to get your light to spring forth and to walk in his best. I don't believe God was, you know, just like, ugh. But he realized that for him to get his things moving through people, he had to get the people to cooperate with him. Are you with me? To get love to work, because that was the second thing there. How do you get love to work? Jesus talked about how you get love to work for you. He said, if you need to forgive somebody, he said, what you need to do is start to say. He said, you need to start using your mouth. He said, it's like a tree that's got its roots and it's growing and it's bad, he'd say you would say to that tree, be plucked up by the roots and be thrown into the ocean. What is he basically saying? He's saying you need to talk and say, I will not be unforgiving. Why does God require that we would say something with our mouth? in order to start loving. Because Jesus, in the Bible, explains the rules of how things work, and it's through the tongue. And he said this, now, if we had a Bible written today, he would say it like this. Your tongue is like a steering wheel. Wherever you move your mouth in the direction you move it, eventually you will go there. James said, the tongue is like the rudder on a ship. You could say like a steering wheel. Or he said it's like a bit in a horse's mouth. He said it's so little, but if you can learn to control your tongue and be purposeful with your tongue, he said you will start turning your life. No wonder he said your, t your light will break forth. You know what would be real good for people to say? Christians... I have divine light in me. And it's powerful. And it controls me and it's influencing me. God lives in me in all of His power. When I received Christ, I received not a weak God. I received the Almighty God. In Him is no darkness at all and He lives in my spirit. We've talked about this in different ways. You control the fiery darts that come against your mind with your tongue. 
God realized when he made us in his image and in his likeness that a big part of us and how we govern life and how life is for us is going to come through our tongue. He did that. God made man in his image. God said, I will not do anything among men unless I first say it. Isn't that an interesting thought that God would do that? That's why he prophesied for thousands of years before Christ came. He kept telling what I'm going to do, what I'm going to do, what I'm going to do. Jesus did that in his own life. He said, I'm going to go here. He said, nobody can take my life. I'm going to lay it down. He said, I came from heaven. I'm going here. This is the purpose of my life. He kept doing it. And then he's told us, I'm coming again. He's already said it. It's already in motion. And listen to this. It said the world is held together in the order it is by his words. So if we use aerosol deodorants, we're not going to die from destroying the ozone. Because it's not held together by deodorant. Think of the power we have with deodorant, aerosol. God said, I hold the world together by the word of my mouth. Unless men use too much aerosol, then they're all going to die before I come back. <clears throat> I doubt it. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't be wise in what we do and stuff because we are stewards of the planet. But at the same time, we're not going to make this thing end. Now war right before the Lord comes, whenever that is, he'll have to come back or man would have destroyed himself. The Bible's clear about that, but it doesn't say anything about aerosol hands. What am I saying? Somebody said weird things. No, what I'm saying is God's words are so powerful. The earth is held together by words. And then he said, you are made in the image and likeness of him, and your world is held together by words too. My world is shaped by my words, whether I know it or not. No wonder when the Lord says we'll stand before him, it said, you know, often when we see pictures of like we stand before the Lord, he's going he's gonna to look at like, you know, those secret things you were thinking about. And, and you're going to be like, oh my, nobody knew that. And here it is. And he's just going to whip it up there and go. And you're going you're gonna to be sitting there going, oh, I thought nobody knew I had that thought. Well, maybe that thought came to you from the devil. But do you know the Bible didn't say you're going to get in trouble for that or have to give an account. You know what he said? He said, you're going to give an account for the words that you spoke. I don't have the strength to go on. The Bible said, let the weak say, I'm strong. 
or I'm being renewed in strength. Because he said he would renew our strength. Now, I'm not talking physical, you know, because we have to rest. Jesus did it. But I'm saying there is a force that we need to understand, and our tongue does something for us. If I'm down with my mouth, I'm going to go down. I heard that mouse over there say, Amen. We have church mice. But, hey, it's the truth. Amen. He said, if you, if you take away the yoke from your midst, pointing the finger and speaking wrong, then, and remember, he said, if you need to forgive, then say. Why? Because he said, forgiveness is like releasing a debt. How do you release a debt? You don't owe me that anymore. I let that go. No more do I hold that. Notice the power of the word. We're going to go back and read one last verse, I believe. Turn to James 1. This is one we've been reading as we've been talking about this subject, really, before the two Christmas messages. We've looked at this verse and others, but we're going to look at it again. Get it ingrained in us. James talked so much about the power of the tongue and how it can affect the emotions and start controlling the body. And some people don't realize, good, good Christians don't realize that the way they move their tongue is where they will be. It's just getting so hard, I don't know if I can make it. If your emotions are troubled... Because they'll get there at one time in your life. Just start saying, I'm not having gloomy days anymore. Say, I'm not having gloomy days anymore. Uh, and, and meaning, you talk. I am not having gloomy days anymore. Because the danger is when you start getting gloomy days in that dark cloud, it gets fed when we talk about it. And we think, why is it getting worse instead of better? And then we'll tell people, it's getting worse instead of better. What if I start saying I'm full of light in the Lord and I'm not going to be living down he said his peace would guard my heart and mind. He said his life is in me springing up unto everlasting life. Therefore, I'm going to be dominated by that. Our life will follow our tongue. That's what Jesus said. Read all through the Old Testament and you'll see that people actually followed their tongue. I just don't know if I can do this anymore. I don't get stuff out of the Word like I used to. It's just not living like it used to be. No, it is living. You know, after you go on for a while, you'll notice it'll just kind of mellow out a bit. You realize that's not something you should repeat.
what if the devil isn't my problem and God isn't my problem and I might be? And you know what's cool about that? I can change me. James 1.26, how will next year be for you? I just don't know. You should have seen last year at the rate we're going. And people don't realize that it doesn't change by one word. To get this light that is so powerful in you, moving words, words, words need to come forth. Think of what God has said about you. You are light in the Lord. You're more than a conqueror. You're accepted in the blood. You're in good standing. You've got authority over the devil. That means darkness. Gloom. Gloom. How am I going to affect it? We're going to read this verse. But if we read this verse right here, it may make us think of other verses. Like, like the Bible said, guard your heart that core part of you, because the way it is affected is how you will experience life. Proverbs 4. He said, guard your heart. How do you want to experience life? He said, because out of your heart, it says, are the parameters or the boundaries by which you live. Your own heart. This core part of you. Now think of it. When you got saved, you got full of divine life and ability and you were accepted in the beloved. But there's a core part of you in the deeper recesses, you could say, called the heart that wasn't made new in the Lord. But it's to be influenced by that light and really we have control or a major aspect of control there. Are you ready? Because really what you want is your heart to be in line with your brand new self in Christ, your spirit. The Bible teaches we're a three-part being. And part of that second part of us is your mind, will, emotions, intellect, your heart. Notice this. This will make your life different. This will make you walk in ways you haven't walked. Because we can always walk in a higher and better way in the Lord. We can enjoy more peace, more comfort, more provision in every aspect. Notice this, James 1.26. If anyone among you, and he's talking to Christians thinks he is religious. Now, religious isn't like a bad word. Because sometimes people will, you know, well, what religion are you? And they'll go, "Uh, I'm not part of a religion. I have a relationship. And you're like, oh, okay, all right, then, all right. And I get that. That's cool. But it is a religion according to these verses because... He didn't say religion is a bad word. Skip down to verse 26 or 27. He said, pure and undefiled religion. 
So religion isn't a bad word, but it can be a bad thing too. You know, like they're religious and we use that in a negative or when people say, well, uh, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. Well, it's both. We just don't want to miss this point. Back to verse 26. If anyone among you thinks he is religious or she and does not control or bridle his or her tongue, but they deceive their own heart. Who deceives the heart? Does the devil deceive the heart? Or does he throw thoughts and need you to repeat them? Because remember... Jesus said you'll give an account for all the words you spoke, not the thoughts that came. Have you ever noticed you're minding your own business and all of a sudden for no reason at all, this last week I had about a gazillion thoughts that I was like, what's going on? I was Praying more than normal and reading my Bible more than normal. And three weeks ago, I wasn't even hardly praying. I didn't even have any of these negative thoughts. Because we can't look at everything natural. And we need to realize sometimes things just come from the enemy and you're minding your own business. What does he want you to do? He wants you to start repeating them. I don't have faith. I'm not strong. I am weak. I don't get revelation anymore. The blessing of God's not in my life like it used to be, said the devil. See, the devil cannot overcome a Christian. He needs a Christian to cooperate. That's why he tried to do it with Jesus, to get him to say the wrong thing. And so notice this verse. If I don't control my tongue, I deceive my own heart. What does that mean? I'm telling my own core self, I'm not accepted. I'm being deceived because I am accepted. I don't have this light. I'm weak. My prayers don't get answered. I'm deceiving my own heart because my own heart needs to hear who I really am, who God made me, who God made you. Accepted, beloved, above the enemy. A, a controller of the enemy. In other words, you can resist him and he'll flee from you. Well, you know, it's pretty bad out there. Yeah, but praise God for the light and praise God the blessing of God is on me. But if I don't bridle my tongue, I start deceiving my own heart. What am I doing? I'm telling my own heart lies. I'm saying God's not for me, but my spirit knows he's for me, and the word tells me he's for me and tells me he's for you. So what do I do? 
I need to control my tongue because I don't want to deceive my heart. Somebody said, oh no, I've been deceiving my own heart. Well, it's over for you then, said the devil. Not God. He'd just say, well, control your tongue. Because later on he said, purify your hearts. You double-minded. And we know the way to control the mind is to start speaking the right thing and it will extinguish fiery darts that come against your mind. I'm more than a conqueror. Well, Jesus isn't that real to me. I mean, he's there and stuff. Why don't you start saying, Jesus is more real to me than anything? Because he is in your spirit. I mean, I guarantee you when he shows up, people aren't going to go, well, Jesus isn't real to me. Everybody's going to go like, what? Because he is real. So we should be aware and start saying, I'm a lover, not a hater. I'm victorious, not... Because these are truths. My faith works. Then your own heart is not being deceived. I get more and more out of the Bible. Well, what if you read the Bible today because you said it, and it seems like dry as a cracker. Don't worry. Don't say, well, the Word isn't living after all. No, the Bible said it's living. means it's alive. Then just say, the Bible's alive. When I read it, I get more and more. What's happening? You're starting to reset the parameters of your heart. It's starting to line up with the new man that you and woman you are in Christ. And what will happen is all of a sudden you'll start getting a little more out of the Bible. And more. And more. But where do you want to go? Say it is a living book and it excites me to no end. I can't wait to pray. I can't wait to worship. Great things happen. Guess what? You're starting to train your heart to open it up to those parameters that you are allowed to walk in. After a while, people are going to go, why are they all like that? It won't last long. My answer, you don't have to tell the person who says it. You could just say it to yourself. Praise God, this is going to last forever. Why? I'm training my heart. Some people have a personal trainer at a gym. You have a personal trainer here. He's called your pastor. Here's what you do. And don't... This is the only message that I can say. Um, you know, some people are waiting for a New Year's resolution to start something. I can say, well, here's one. Because you don't want to wait. And tomorrow's the first day of the year. So you can do it. Now. Amen. Govern yourself. If you are not positive, and we talked about David's heart after God, he was a positive person, not a negative person. If you recognize your negative, negative Nelly or whoever, negative Nanny, Nana, whoever it is, negative Ned, then we need to realize those things are hurting me. 
experiment with this. Start doing it. Don't worry at night. Start talking to yourself differently. Because some people are talking. What am I going to do? Oh no. And we don't realize those things are training and deceiving our own heart. Or tricking it to believe what is not true for you. Everybody say this with me. I can do it. And God's helping me. And I have the strength. So my life is going up, not down. Because the path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter day by day. That's my destiny. So that means darkness will not win. Now you realize... That's not just changing everything out here. It's starting to work something in you. Once it's worked in you, watch out. Everybody say, I'm depressed. No, don't say that. Some of you are like, okay, all right, I'm depressed. How about this? I'm not going to be depressed anymore. I'm depressed. No, I'm depressed no more. No, right, they were. Just fall right off the cliff. No. No more. No more. What if it stays and tries to dog? It cannot stay. My emotions are changing. This is the best gift you can give yourself and your future. It doesn't matter if everybody prays for you. It won't change until this changes. And if everybody prays for you, this will have to change for it to work. So how's life going to be this next year? Better. Better. Great. Going up. More spiritual. More blessed. Amen.